thank you so much for prayer and the privilege of prayer and what it avails. We thank you, God, that we can agree together as a body that, God, someone will touch you for these needs, those that have had surgery and sickness and, God, getting over sickness and, Lord, trials and tribulation. Brother Wesley, tomorrow, Lord God of heaven, with his procedure, the travels that I will be going on with other brethren, oh, Lord God of heaven. I pray right now, God, that you would undergird us and protect us and hear the cries of your people and move in these behalf. And, God, heal and strengthen and encourage and protect and go before us. God, we thank you tonight. We praise you tonight. We lift you up tonight. There is no God but thee. You are the true and living God. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Put your hands together, magnify the King of glory. So good to see you tonight. Let's sing and worship Jesus. That's why we're here. You turned my morning into dancing again. You
like that song because it speaks to my life. Now, most of you know I'm creeping up in... Age. But I still look pretty handsome. Honey, I can't remember, but I'm going to share this testimony. I can't remember if I shared it here or not. We shared it in Denton. But I'm going to share a testimony, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to share one. I don't think we share enough of what God is doing in our lives. I really, really don't. I think we come, we sing some songs, we worship, we hear the word. Oh, that's wonderful. But you know something the Bible says? We overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And so I think we ought to be giving God a testimony of praise. Amen. You might think this is a small thing. But I don't believe there's anything too small that we shouldn't give God the praise for it. Amen. Now, does anybody not realize that we are in a drought? Well, just about a week or so ago, I go out every morning about 5.30, 5.45, sit in a chair, and I'm praying and seeking the Lord. And I didn't know until Sunday that my wife was praying the exact same prayer. And I've been praying for rain. She's been praying for rain. But, you know, I just said, Lord, let the rain fall right here on this compound, right on our property. She prayed the same thing. Have I shared this already? Well, if I did, you're going to hear it again. Coming home after the back-to-school bash. My memory is doing pretty good. We saw a small cloud over there east southeast and we're thinking i wonder and we saw this small funnel of rain just falling down like coming out of a faucet and we got closer and closer and my wife still has a picture of it on her phone even though we don't need that well we got into belt and dry as a bone coming into liver river academy dry and dusty Coming down the road, going towards our drive, landfield, parched. Turning on landfield, dry, dry, dry. Coming up to our property line on the east. Nothing before that, but as soon as we hit our property line on the east, Uh the road was wet. Uh I looked down the road. And the west property line and on was dry. Don't you tell me God doesn't answer a prayer if two or three agree in touching any one thing. If my God can bring rain on a plot of ground, what can my God do for you? My wife said there was a rainbow signifying the promise of God. Did that kind of charge you up? Uh Well, I'm surprised no one's standing to their feet and wanting to give a quick testimony of what God is doing in your life. Anybody? Go ahead. You wave. You're not just shaking the tambourine. Okay. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, my God owns it all, honey. You don't have to wait for anything. Just trust the Lord. Do not fret. You got to do what God's told you to do. You got to do your part. And I promise you, God will be faithful. He'll do his part. Anybody else got a testimony today? Brother Bob. Amen. That's our God. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord God. You know, God made our bodies anyway. Mm -hmm. Amen. Someone else. Yes. Everything came out fine. That doesn't surprise me. With your heart, your joy, your worship, doesn't surprise me. Why should we be surprised when God does something great in our life? Now, I want you to know with that cloud, we started saying when we saw it, I'm almost sure it's raining there on. Uh, yeah. I, I thought you had a testimony. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pointing to you. Yeah. Who did say that? You're not dancing and shouting yet. Amen. You know, sometimes we worry about what we ought not be worrying about. We ought to be just trusting God. Anybody else? We serve a great God. Come on, somebody. We serve a great God. 
He cares about you. He cares about every facet of your life. He cares about the desires of your heart. He cares what you want. No matter how big or small. I already told him about Eileen coming over. You want to you wanna add anything to that? You, now, when she gets here, she's going to expect you to do some testimony and praising. Oh, yeah, there I go. You're right. That's right. I think there's another testimony back over there somewhere. Okay, just, just a minute. Just keep it. I'm trying to get a testimony back over there. I'm trying. I've been trying because, you know, something, we all not be shy. Brother John, turn the fans off for a moment. One blessing. Wow. A double blessing. Okay, Sister Erica. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. You just got to believe it. Even if you don't see it, you know it's got to be on your way. Amen. Amen. Somebody else. Sister Elena. Do I need to turn that up? Is it on? So, yeah. this year, two of my children have scholarships to our church academy. Last year, all four of my children were in private school, which was a miracle, and I want to thank God for that, too. When the younger boys, their program was cut, um, I didn't know what I was going to do, and I prayed really hard to figure out um, something that I felt comfortable with, something that would be the best for them. And so first I got a job a second job that covers my son's tuition at Grace Lutheran. And then I found a private academy for my son that accepts state assistance, so his tuition is completely free. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Don't believe man's report that God is dead. 
He's alive and well, and he's still moving. Amen. Amen. Anybody else just got one? They just, yes, Sister Kylie, I see you. right amen let's all believe that right now amen praise the name of the lord god of heaven i know we don't do this as much as we should but tonight i just sense that we needed to have some testimony as great as singing is and as great a job as you do sometimes we need to share what god is doing in our life we build one another's faith amen did my daughter said someone over here had a titus Oh, yeah. Amen. You say, well, that's not important. It is to him. Sister Dorinda. Amen. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? Your feet's not stopping you. Oh, 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 no. Your feet's not stopping you. Your feet's not stopping you. Oh, your feet's not. Come on. Oh, my God of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. You see that? Her feet's not stopping her. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Can you put your hands together and love Jesus? Amen. So good to see you tonight. I know many of you, you wanted to sing two or three songs, and I kind of changed it up, but I'm glad I did. I wanted to hear what God is doing in your lives, what God is doing in this church, what God is doing in this community. We heard of people's needs and desires and situations being met and turned around and removed doors opened by God himself. One more time, put your hands together and love Jesus. Amen. If you're comfortable, you can return to your seats. We're going to receive Wednesday night tithes and half shekel offerings. And then we're going to get Pastor Brown up here. He'll give the announcements and bring the word. Remember, let's continue to pray for Sister Phillips and Sister Sandra for speedy recovery. Also, we're going to pray for Brother Wesley as we're receiving this offering. We're going to sing a song. We'll ask Brother Wesley to come and let's pray for him tonight.
together and love Jesus. Thank you for the anointing which breaks the yoke. You can be seated. Pastor Brown's coming. Our ensemble can be seated. He's going to give some announcements very quickly and get right into the word of the Lord. Good evening. Praise the Lord, everyone. It is a privilege and honor to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to see everyone this evening. I trust that you've had a good week thus far. Just a few announcements before we begin. We need to continue to pray for Brother Delion. Amen. He's been fighting some sickness, just had a hospital visit today, but we know God is a healer. God is a healer, Brother Delion. Amen. And here as a church, we are praying for you. Amen. Uh, we need to just continue to pray for uh, Sister Phillips as she's quickly recovering. Amen. From that surgery. Remember, parents, uh, if you have money from Candy Fundraiser that is due, don't forget, youth service will be August 31st. Amen. Will be that Wednesday evening service. Coinspi coinciding with that, our youth ensemble practice will be this Sunday at 4 p.m. Uh, don't forget, veterans or service members, veterans here, veterans, friends that you know, service member friends that you know, we are going to be having an outreach coffee and pastry here at the church. Tuesday, the 30th of August at 6 p.m. in the Welcome Center. Just had a meeting with a, uh, an outgoing soldier liaison and uh, talked about some points of contact. He'll be coming. He's retired, Sergeant Major. Uh, not only that, I'm really hoping for the Vietnam Veterans Association, the local Vietnam Veterans Association, for them to come as well. It is a good outreach. Amen. And so I need you to bring your entire unit here. If you, can, if you can manage that, I need you to talk to your company commander. I mean, I get a mandatory, mandatory formation out front. Amen. Is that cool? Amen. And we'll make a lot of coffee. Amen. If you want to bring an LMTV, that's cool too. Amen. I still have a license for it, maybe. Maybe. Amen. So looking forward to that. Don't forget, if you have clothes or food donations, we have our uh, closing, clothing closet and our food closet for those that are in need. Amen. I'm going to be reading in the book of Matthew. Before we do, Bishop. Pastor Brown, Sister Porter, many of you know Sister Porter. She is struggling physically. Uh, I don't know if she's still in the hospital or not. She's out, but she's been going through some serious physical situations. She's asking for prayer. So would you lead us in prayer for Sister Porter tonight? Amen. Can we stand to our feet and can we bind together as a church? We are a body of believers. It's not just a simple statement that is a song from K-Love. We are a body of believers. Not only do we believe God, but we are obedient to his word. Can we close our eyes and lift our hands right now? And can we believe for a complete healing of Sister Porter? Not only Sister Porter, but Brother Delion and Sister Phillips, amen, and Brother Wesley and Sister Dorinda, and any of those that are fighting sickness, Lord God of Jacob, you are our Jehovah Rofa. You are the Lord that heals. You are the great and wise physician. It is by your stripes we are healed. And, Lord, you said that if we pray and we have faith, whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and whatever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. God, we come together with a consensus, God, that these individuals be, will be healed in the name of Jesus. God, we 
by faith. God sense, God, I pray, God, that you bestow that healing power to hospital rooms, to bedrooms, God, to here in this sanctuary. God, we are believing for another testimony service, and that that testimony service will be saturated with a testimony of healing in the name of Jesus. We believe it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can somebody clap your hands with me and celebrate with me the healing and a miracle and a memorial that's in the making. Amen. Amen. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, we are going to be reading a few of the the Beatitudes from the Mount of Beatitudes right off the Sea of Galilee. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And this is coming from the words of our Messiah, God manifested in the flesh. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you feel comfortable in doing so, can we put our Bibles down? And once again, can we close our eyes and lift our hands and just thank God for his word. We've prayed for a healing. Now we need to pray for the remainder of this service. Lord God of Jacob, we thank you, God, that you give us exactly what we can handle. God, but in that situation, in that persecution, in that loneliness, you are with us. And God, all things work together for the good of them that love him and according to his purpose. And God, reassure us here tonight, God, that what we are going through will be worth it. God, that we are not alone and you are with us. And God, it is just a memorial and a testimony in the making. And God, we celebrate in the midst of the persecution because you've reassured us. Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Uh, And God, give us strength uh, in the midst of that persecution. In Jesus' name, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise here tonight? Thank you, Jesus, that you have gone before us. You have carved a path for us, and you have prepared us for what's to come. Amen. You may return to your seats this evening. This evening, I'd like to preach this particular thought, the defining moments, the defining moments. I think that is a statement that a lot of politicians and media throw around so much, taking away from the true meaning of the context of that statement. The defining moment, they say that this is our defining moment. Let me have a $400 billion bill. This is a defining moment. A defining moment means at that moment, it is a choice, a behavior, a character, an action, a decision that defines that moment. And that moment will follow you, whether it's as an individual, whether it's as a collective, whether it's as a country, whether it's a society, whether it's a family. We are presented through our entire walk with God for defining moments. I don't think in this walk with God, in this apostolic decision that we made, this apostolic path that we made, it's not just one defining moment, but it is a plethora of defining moments. It is a multitude of defining moments that God presents you with. And each and every single one of you, when you are standing at your defining moment, it is a spiritual fork in the road. I hope we're listening tonight. That fork in the road is giving God glory or giving self glory. 
That defining moment is, is this giving God glory? Is this a testimony? Is this a memorial? Or it is a situation where I could have done better. And I don't know about you, but my, but my own admission, in my own honesty, there are a few times that I have failed that defining moments. And I had to go clean up that defining moments. I had to repent for that defining moments. Because I want to be defined as somebody that has lived for God in the midst of the good or the bad. Amen. Because whether it is the good or the bad, what was true in the light is true in the dark. Our God is still good. Our God is on the throne, and he shall receive all glory and honor. Amen. But we are, dis- we are presented with a defining moment, whether it's in the midst of the service, whether it's at home, but specifically outside of these walls. We are presented with a defining moment. How are we the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ? How are we the re- representatives of the God that was and is and is to come? The God that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Am I a defining moment for that kingdom? How am I defining the kingdom? I hope we are reflecting on that statement. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 promised us persecution. But, Bishop, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us reassurance. He said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So when I am peer pressured for the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a type of persecution. When I'm the only one in my family living for God, that is a type of righteous persecution. But it is how I define that moment in the midst of persecution. As our society is perpetually changing to a postmodern society where that society is telling you there's no right or wrong, Your perceived reality could be reality. We won't question it. There's no absolutes. We need to continue to stand on the word of God. God has not changed. His word has not changed. It's an infallible word that is without error. But it is how we are going to stand in the midst of persecution. But not just persecution, but hard and difficult times. Apostasy happens when we blow with the wind of peer pressure and we blow with the wind of society, apostasy means that I am pulling away from the truth. I am running away from the truth. But if we are not grounded in the word of God and we don't put our full trust in the word of God, when that difficult time comes and the persecution comes, because living for God is great, it is renewing, amen. It is a regeneration of my soul, Amen. It's that regeneration of self, a new creature, but they are going, you are going to suffer a many great things for his name's sake. That was a promise that was given to the Apostle Paul. But what is our defining moments? How do we define our persecution? Matthew chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 11, please. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. Revile means despise you. I don't know if you have spent time on your news feed lately, but, man, it seems like the mainstream media has a target for Christianity. 
I even read towards a Catholic, there's an article saying that even the rosary, which we're not Catholic, we don't believe in it, but it is a symbol of a type of Christianity that it's equated to extremism, as if it was Al-Qaeda or ISIS. Do you understand that our society is targeting our faith? And we are going to be presented, I hope that we are listening tonight, you are going to be presented with the defining moment of what we do in the midst of that persecution. But I'm here to tell you that it is worth it. Amen. Every article that goes to a certain political spectrum, it's not necessarily about the choices of individuals, but it is a broad paintbrush of Christianity as a whole. Persecution is being birthed. You see how quickly people jump on what is viral. You see how quickly our society jumps on what the popular norms is. You imagine, you remember a year and a half ago how people were demonized for not wearing a mask. People were demonized for not having a vaccine. How quickly society changed where American was against American. It is being birthed. Wouldn't you agree, Elder? is being germinated, and you are going to be presented with a defining moment in the midst of that persecution. But blessed are you that is persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you where you stand for the word of God, not being moved, being firmly planted, not being blown by the winds of peer pressure, but you are standing on the God that you serve. I serve the God of Israel and not the gods of man. Blessed are you that human beings, individuals, hate you, despise you, and persecute you. And what else does he say? And by the way, this was a precursor to the persecution to come for the early church. And that persecution is nothing that you or I have ever experienced, but they stood strong in truth. But what did Jesus say from that beautiful mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee on the Mount of Beatitudes? And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So are you telling me that everything I go through, in my loneliness of truth, in my loneliness of standing firm for this apostolic faith, in this loneliness of hanging on to the Holy Ghost with all desperation and not losing it, in the one that I've got to read the Word of God so I am inundated, and it's not just the words on a page, but it is Word written on the tablets of my heart. Are you telling me there is a great reward in heaven, and I am blessed if I go through the persecution and I don't Blow through the winds of popular opinion. Amen. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Was Jeremiah prophet, uh, persecuted? Was Elijah persecuted? Was Elisha persecuted? So you saying that if I hold on strong, I'm lumped into that type of category as in the, the, my spiritual predecessors, the prophets? What an honor that is. Persecution's coming. Your defining moment starts tomorrow when you walk into work. How are you defined? By your language, your attitude? That defining moment, how you interact with others, how much you speak of truth, that is how you are being defined in that moment. Amen. Persecution is coming. 
Persecution is here. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. It says as a misperception or misconception that with a lot of those that follow this truth, they have the perception, I send you forth to get your Lexus. I send you forth to get your thousands or millions of dollars. I send you forth to dancing through the tulips and there's rainbows and harmony, right? What did he say? Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But I send you forth as sheep to the... Can we go back, please? I need the previous. Thank you. I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Amen. Our defining moment. But I'm blessed. Amen. And there is a great exceeding reward if I stay strong in the persecution. Therefore, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That means that I demonstrate in my defining moment godly character, fruits of the spirit, but I am praying for that wisdom to have the discernment when this is peer pressure, when this is a societal manipulation. Amen. Our defining moment starts tomorrow. If you stop at a store, that's your defining moment. When somebody cuts you off, that's a defining moment. Amen. When somebody questions your faith, why do you dress this way? Why don't you say this? Why don't you partake in this? That is your defining moment. And if somebody despises your choices of this Christian faith, you are reviled by others and you hold strong, you are blessed. Amen. Our defining moments. So allow me to put some perspective in our spiritual heritage, our early church heritage. Some of us are, it's hard. Some of us really struggle with being the only one to live for God. Especially in an immediate family. It's defining moment after defining moment when we agree. But you are not alone. And God has bestowed upon you a church family and this collective. Amen. But everything that you go through is worth it if you hold strong. But if we are not careful, and I hope we are listening tonight, if we are not careful, when trouble comes, we get knocked out. When trouble and persecution comes and the peer pressure comes, because even as adults, it's not just for the youth, but even as adults, peer pressure can knock us out. And we build our house on the sands. And it's blown with the wind, but we've got to be strong. I don't know about you, as I go through Scripture, I gain a perspective. I gain a reflection. It's not as bad as my forefathers. This situation is not as difficult as my forefathers. Amen. I'm thankful that our government is not assassinating fellow pastors and ministers, and I have to hide in a cave. I'm thankful that I have the liberty in the United States at this moment, to stand for apostolic truth. Amen. But I'd like to introduce you to an early, as they call him a church father, but post-apostolic age or the end of the apostolic age, 
Amen. This is an individual that they believed that he was a disciple of John the Beloved, the apostle, Ignatius of Antioch. The same Antioch in the country of Syria, Antioch where it was the first city mentioned in the book of Acts that they actually called themselves Christian. Amen. He was a bishop there. As I said, he was a disciple of John, uh, the apostle John, John the Beloved, as an early church father. There's not much known about him, but there's a lot written or gathered from his writings. His writings. Ignatius was a bishop in the church of Antioch, and unfortunately, he went through a lot of persecution. In the year 110 A.D., Ignatius was sitting in Syria, but there was a Roman emperor that did not like what was going on from within the walls of Jerusalem. There was a sect that had never risen out of all the multitude of gods that simply defined Roman law. Roman religion, and even the Roman emperor. The Romans could not stand this particular sect of Jews that claim that their Messiah has come and they're not allowed to bend the knee at any other king. They're not allowed to lift their hands at any other king. They're not allowed to worship any other gods. And these are the Christians is what I'm talking about. The emperor Trajan, who would have been considered a god, did not like what was going on at this early church. As I said, this is the year 107. So they are arrested our bishop, amen, Ignatius, and he was taken to the very hearts of the capital of Rome, amen, and he was placed in what was called the Colosseum. Many of you have heard about it, and it was relatively new. It was a, how should I say, a twisted form of entertainment. We could call it the Super Bowl of the Romans. Not much has changed, at least nobody dies, but the same type of effort is put into sports. In the Colosseum, it was gladiatorial games where gladiators or slaves would fight to the death or fight to submission for their freedom. Those that were uh, sentenced to die were executed, and then they brought in the wild animals. The wild animals or the beast masters would have to defend themselves against rhinos and elephants and lions. And Ignatius wrote a letter just before he went into this Colosseum. Trajan wanted to make an example out of this man. He wanted to make an example out of all the Christians that begin to rise up to the land. Because obviously Peter did a really good job. It was his defining moment. Obviously, the Apostle Paul did a really good job because it wasn't just in Jerusalem. It was all to those that were far off. Amen. That was Paul's defining moment. What is our defining moment here tonight? Amen. Ignatius wrote a letter just before he went to the Colosseum. And I want you to imagine about the size of Dallas Stadium, that circle, all these Romans, they're desiring blood, desiring death, that satisfaction of the sport, they desired it. But Ignatius wrote a letter that really spoke to the heart of understanding what was mentioned in Matthew, that you are blessed if you withstand persecution. You are blessed if you are reviled by other human beings. He wrote this letter just before he went out. And he said, allow me, knowing what his death would be, allow me to become the food for the wild beast, through whose means it will be granted me to reach God. 
Blessed are those that are persecuted for his name's sake. Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness. Knowing that death was inevitable. Knowing that there was no escape. Knowing he couldn't drive away. Knowing he couldn't text a friend. He was sitting in there in the cell, placed into the catacombs underneath the Colosseum, knowing death was coming. How are we with situations that are never to that level? But you have a man that says, my death, this persecution will grant me access to God. Do we think that when somebody persecutes us, God, you are trying to bless me. When somebody trash talks our truth, when somebody trash talks you for your apostolic faith, when somebody trash talks our bishop, how is our defining moment? I have, a, I have an example of an early church father that would have been a oneness preacher. Amen. Believing in one God. I can't worship any other God. I can't take a knee before a man. I can't blow with the societal norms. I've got to stand strong to Jesus, to Yeshua. Amen. And he also wrote, I am the wheat of God, and I am ground by the teeth of the wild beast." that I may be found pure bread of Christ. This is a man that knew it was coming, but understood his reward if he would hold strong. And so I want you to imagine in your mind's eye this bishop, this preacher, amen, this disciple, the Apostle John, walking up in the midst of the Roman Colosseum. All these Romans wanting his death. And Ignatius just walked into the midst of the Colosseum. There could have been a couple things that he did, like many slaves did, many prisoners did, that were put to death by these beasts. He could have begged for his life to the emperor, never did it. He could have tried to run away to give them a good show, he didn't do it. He could have asked the audience for clemency, please ask the, the emperor for the, your favor. Because the emperor blows with the wind of popularity like politicians today. But it is recorded that Ignatius went to the midst of the Colosseum and just knelt and prayed. The lions were released, and there's some accounts that the lions circled Ignatius and then just laid down as if it was a Daniel moment. And there's documentation from some of those that wrote of this particular game, that the audience was silent. Can you imagine what happens when you're just as wise as a serpent but as harmless as a dove? What power is in there? What happens when we understand that persecution, and if it is a spiritual type of persecution, trying to take your spiritual life and you stay strong, there is a blessing and a reward and Ignatius began to pray, and according to documentation, that he just lifted his hands. And at that moment, the lion, the lions devoured him to death. But that was a defining moment because all those Romans who questioned their own gods said there is something different about that God. We have to understand, and I remember the words of our bishop during our search for truth, in persecution, there is revival. And Ignatius is remembered for being an individual that understood the faith and the consequence of persecution. I don't know what I would have done 
I've never been put into this situation where I know I'm going to be eaten by the lion. But none of us have been put in that situation. And so me and my own reflection, is it really that bad? Is it really as difficult as we make it out to be when I have examples throughout Scripture of true, pure persecution? And Jesus prepared them. You are sheep to the wolves. God is not as bad as those that went before me. And Ignatius is documented by being one of the first martyrs. And the church in Rome grew from it. Because there were Romans. There were centurions. There were praetorian guards that said, and of course the church was in the underground. They were hiding. Can somebody tell me about this Jesus? Because the difference between the normal prisoners in Rome and the Christians is it is documented that Christians had smiles on their faces before their death. And many of them went through the most horrific deaths in history. Not just crucifixion, but the most horrendous deaths in history. But it is documented that there is a peace on the faces of the martyrs of the early church. And these early church fathers were, crea- were documented and given to us throughout history to bring us a perspective that when I am persecuted in my defining moment and I stay strong in God, God will bless me and there is a reward. I want to be an Ignatius spiritually. And I'm thankful that there's not a Colosseum. But if somebody trash talks you, is it as bad as the lions? Are we in hiding? Do we have a wanted poster for New Life Apostolic Church as it is in other countries or in ancient times? The early church was being systematically executed, but revival and the spread of God's gospel was in the midst of that defining moment. So I ask, what's your defining moment? And what are you going to do? I want to be the Ignatius. Okay? It's the lion. But I serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that lion told me, there's a great reward. And I am blessed. Or do we allow a situation that's so minuscule? To us, yes. Yes, it's terrible. But in comparison to others that have gone before us, Is it really a faith shaker? Is it really something that should devastate our faith? I'm not being put to death. What is our defining moment? And yours starts tomorrow. Amen. God, give us wisdom in the midst of the defining moment. Bishop, amen. We can stand to our feet tonight. We're going to pray for a perspective change. And I know some of us are tired, but persecution is coming. Difficult times are coming. Matthew 24, since we've been living in Matthew 24, Jesus said that this is the beginning of sorrows. Can we close our eyes and lift our hands? And I don't want to be in the great falling away because, because of a defining moment. 
I want to be counted as worthy, but I don't want to be told by God, depart from me, I never knew you, because of a defining moment. God of Jacob, give us wisdom every step we go, every building that we step through, every individual that we encounter. Prepare our hearts, God, for that defining moment, whether it is good or bad or difficult persecution, trial, or tribulation. God, you said that you have sent us as sheep to the wolves, but you have never left us nor forsook us. You are with us in the midst of the persecution. God, help our hearts to stay strong and to not blow with the winds of societal change or peer pressure, but to stay strong in your word, for you are worthy. God, we are humbled by the early church fathers that died to perpetuate this truth. God, let their lessons bring in reflection. Let their sacrifice, oh God, Lord, remind us and bring perspective of the difficulties we go through. We thank you, God, that you